Hello and welcome to the Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast with me, Ella Marchin. This podcast is part of the celebration of South Asian History Month here at the Royal College of Psychiatrists. The South Asian subcontinent is ethnically diverse with different regional dialects, customs, traditions and cultures. Historically, art and music have played a prominent role in South Asian culture in bringing people together. The global South Asian diaspora continue to value their traditions and appreciate various forms of art and classical Hindustani music, both vocal and instrumental. Art and music have played a prominent role in mental well-being which is so crucial in the current testing times of the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr Santosh is a fellow of the Royal College Psychiatrist and has served as the college's associate registrar for membership engagement between 2016 and 2021. He is the immediate past president of the British Indian Psychiatric Association and executive committee member of the Transcultural Psychiatry Special Interest Group and has a particular interest in art, culture and neuroscience. In this podcast, I will be interviewing Santosh and exploring thoughts on the interaction between culture, music and the brain. Okay, so hello, welcome to the podcast, Santosh. Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, so... uh... Uh, I'm Dr. Santos Mudorka and uh, um, I was the Associate Registrar for uh, Membership Engagement uh, until end of last month um, and currently um, uh, I'm Consultant Forensic Psychiatrist and work with Nottinghamshire Mental Health NHS Trust. And today we're going to be discussing music, South Asian music and art and its role with mental healing and mental well-being so would you mind just speaking to me about the relationship between music art and neuroscience yeah uh, firstly um thanks a lot for inviting me ella uh, for this podcast um i'm aware i'm aware that the royal college is celebrating uh, south asian history month Uh, And it is so wonderful opportunity to uh, um, have a discussion with you regarding the role of art and music, uh, which is played um, the role of art and music in neuroscience and mental well-being. Um, See, art and music have been integral part of South Asian culture for centuries. uh, And... uh, the mythological stories uh, which you see uh, in uh, Asian literature, uh, they have been depicted uh, through paintings, uh, through carvings, um, and art and music uh, as a recreational method um, has a long history. Um, It is not only vocal music, but different kinds of musical, traditional uh, Asian musical instruments um, uh, were played to entertain guests during the time uh, of uh, uh, Asian dynasties and then the Mughal rule uh, and over the years uh, they have continued to play uh, a huge uh, role in bringing people together Uh, supporting communities, but also um, uh, celebrating um, um, the diversity and and culture. Um, Music, uh, in particular, has an important uh, role to play in um, 
in mental well-being, uh, it is not often recognized uh, that how uh, music can uh, be an important factor um, in mental well-being because it is not actually prescribed uh, as uh, medications, but um, many of us will identify uh, how certain kinds of music uh, are soothing and calming to the mind. Um, there are some um, music, um, there are some aspects of music therapies called as neurological music therapy, often called as NMT, which play an important role in cognitive rehabilitation uh, as it engages the auditory, motor, language, cognitive and emotional functions uh, across cortical and subcortical areas of the brain. Uh, it activates the brain. Um, and there's a lot of literature um, about how there is an interaction between um, certain areas of the brain um, uh, and music. Um, in fact, uh, Franz Joseph Gall, the founder of phrenology, identified music as one of the 27 faculties of the mind. Uh, this was uh, way back um, in uh, 18th and 19th century, really. Uh, around the same time, British neurologist John Euling Jackson uh, made an observation about children who could not speak but could sing. So uh, I think uh, researchers um, for several centuries now have uh, um, acknowledged the role, the interaction between, between music and brain. You also wanted me to uh, mention something about art. Um, and uh, when we look at art, it's such a huge topic. I thought um, it would be relevant to mention the role of uh, drama, uh, painting, films, uh, various forms of art. And again, South Asian culture has a rich, rich tradition uh, of all uh, these forms of art uh, over several years, really. And what do you personally believe is the role of music and art in helping with mental healing? Music definitely has a role in mental uh, well-being um, and healing, uh, and healing um, because, see, different kinds of music, um, like, I'll, I'll give you examples that uh, in Asian culture, you have different kinds of instruments, but also different kinds of music. Um, there are certain um, vocal music which uh, you play uh, at dawn, uh, certain musical instruments like um, uh, a shehenai, which is like a trumpet, um, which you usually um, listen to either uh, at dawn or uh, around the time of sunset. Um, there are different uh, other instruments like uh, sitar, uh, made famous by the master Yo Pandit Ravi Shankar, 
uh, and the drums, uh, often called as tabla, um, uh, to go along with it. And there are different sets of tala, which is the rhythm, uh, and different set pieces of music called as ragas, which are played um, uh, for different occasions, mood, time of the day, uh, and seasons. Uh, at the same time, flute uh, is another instrument uh, which uh, is played, um, which can be um, quite soothing and uh, um, um, supports mental well-being. So it depends on what musical instruments uh, one is interested in. Uh, I've mentioned the commonly uh, um, used uh, traditional uh, musical uh, instruments. Of course, now with uh, westernization of uh, uh, the Asian subcontinent, uh, uh, most of the Western uh, music uh, is also uh, widely appreciated uh, in the subcontinent. Uh, but uh, I think it's important to uh, highlight the rich uh, Asian culture um, and uh, music. Um, I also would like to mention something about dance. There are different kinds of dance forms uh, from Kathakali to Kuchpuri to um, uh, Bharatnatyam, the different kinds of dance um, and uh, uh, they're also quite therapeutic. Um, um, uh, these are modified um, into uh, more recent Indian cinema or films often called as Bollywood um, as well. So, um, so there's lots to it, really. Yeah, it's an extremely broad spectrum. Earlier, we spoke about the relationship between music and the brain in terms of music stimulating certain areas of the brain. Is music something that you use in your personal therapy with patients? See, music therapy um, is offered uh, as a treatment um, in inpatient settings. Uh, I first became aware of it um, as a trainee uh, when working in a large psychiatric hospital. Um, and there used to be a music therapy department. Um, I think as we have moved out uh, into the community community uh, services. Um, I think um, we've lost uh, we, we've lost that connection of of having a separate special department for music. Uh, but music uh, appreciation uh, and music groups are still uh, organized in day-to-day -day clinical practice by uh, occupational therapists. I think it would be a luxury to have music therapists like in the olden days. Um, but um, nowadays, uh, most of our service users have access to various forms of music which uh, are available digitally um, uh, and, um, and also on the television. Um, or on MP3 players. Um, so, uh, so yes, um, uh, both um, uh, mental health service users, uh, mental health professionals, 
um, appreciate the role music has played um, in mental well-being. Um, so I would definitely uh, endorse that um, as part of mental well-being. Uh, focusing specifically on the South Asian uh, culture, uh, I think uh, uh, there is still uh, lack of awareness about some of the traditional um, uh, forms of music, whether it is vocal or instrumental, in mainstream mental health services. Uh, and I think it's a good opportunity when we are celebrating uh, South Asian History Month uh, that uh, we uh, showcase uh, and highlight uh, some of these uh, forms of music. Um, and we are going to uh, give short um, demonstration of short pieces just to introduce to the audience um, uh, some of the different forms of music uh, during this podcast. On the topic of on the topic of music, what's your favorite instrument and why? Um, see, I've um, I got introduced to music um, at an early age, uh, but I have to, to admit that I uh, um, I, I'm, I'm not actually, I'm not a practicing musician, but I appreciate um, some of the traditional uh, Asian music uh, as well as Western. Um, of all the musical uh, instrumental Asian music, uh, sitar is, is something which I really um, um, like um, and I do follow um, the music by Pandit Ravi Shankar, um, uh, as you know, um, the Beatles um, uh, visited India in the late 60s, I think it was around 67, uh, and uh, uh, George Harrison was really quite interested in learning sitar. Um, um, so uh, uh, Pandit Ravi Shankar has a huge, huge uh, uh, has played a huge role in increasing awareness of uh, traditional Asian uh, music, particularly sitar, to the Western audience, um, and uh, uh, also gave live performances along uh, with uh, Western musicians. Um, so, so sitar is uh, basically uh, an instrument which is made from um, gourd, um, and, and then it has got uh, different uh, strings and, and different, uh, it's a long um, uh, instrument with, uh, with a, um, which, which is, you can say, similar to uh, guitar, but larger. I think it is very difficult to describe. Maybe um, we can show a picture of sitar um, as part of the podcast. Um, Generally, um, uh, any Asian family who uh, are into music would uh, own a sitar uh, and and valued uh, value it really. So, um, so that's that. Um, and earlier you were saying an important part of art is cinema. Could you talk to us a bit about your knowledge of Indian cinema and Bollywood? Yes, of course. Uh, see, um, 
uh, I grew up in Mumbai, um, and and the term Bollywood is is now loosely uh, used for uh, uh, Indian cinema, which originates uh, in Bombay, um, uh, and so this this industry is uh, over over hundred years old. I think the first uh, Indian cinema. Um, which was filmed was called Harish Chandra. Uh, that was in 1913. Uh, and since then, the industry has grown exponentially. Uh, and um, at the turn of uh, last century, um, there were about 800 films being produced every year um, in, in Mumbai. Uh, it has got a global uh, audience, um, and uh, that is why in Mumbai the filmmakers or the film producers, um, directors, they're called as dream merchants. Uh, most of the films um, are, um, the topics are varied, but what has become quite popular in the West and the global Asian diaspora uh, are films with dance, music, romance, and um, love stories, uh, but also aspects of uh, uh, the social life, which has evolved uh, dramatically over the last 50 years or so. Um, so uh, Indian cinema, um, again, has played a huge role um, in mental well-being um, and um, you'd have uh, also um, heard of uh, some of the uh, films based on Indian stories like uh, The Slumdog Millionaire, maybe uh, you heard about Monsoon Wedding or um, uh, about um, the uh, Marigold Hotel. So I think um uh so f these are the popular ones um so i think indian films and indian cinema um have played a huge huge role um as as recreational and mental as source of uh, recreation and mental well-being uh, i think it's also worth mentioning that there are uh, other uh, film um Houses like the one in uh, Hyderabad and and uh, Chennai, uh, who produce films uh, in Telugu uh, and uh, uh, and Tamil films um, uh, in in Chennai, really. So uh, Bombay is not the only one, but by by and far uh, leading uh, in film production. So, do you think with films like Slumdog Millionaire? that even though that came out quite some time ago do you feel like Indian cinema has started to become popular more popular in the UK? Indian cinema has always been popular in UK with the immigrant population um, I've heard um, stories of uh, families uh, going to watch an Indian movie um, uh, 
uh, in South Hall in the 60s because there used to be just one film, um, uh, one cinema hall where the Indian movies used to be uh, filmed, uh, used to be uh, shown. Um, and, and then they've moved into uh, various parts of London and now uh, you, you, there is opportunity to view um, Bollywood movies uh, in prominent metropolitan cities uh, in UK. Uh, so they've always uh, been very popular with the Indian, Indian diaspora. Uh, what has changed more recently is uh, the Western fascination for uh, um, uh, Asian uh, stories uh, and also Asian way of life. Um, and uh, and I think there is now a good mix of uh, Western um, producers, directors uh, who uh, are uh, into, who are producing films uh, on, on uh, Asian uh, topics and stories really. Um, some of the directors, um, uh, like see, Dan, Danny Paul is a British film uh, director. Um, so is Gurvinder Chadda, who uh, directed Bandit Like Beckham. Um, and uh, Mira Nair, um, of course, uh, uh, a US-based uh, Asian uh, who uh, produced this wonderful uh, uh, Hollywood, well, uh, Western movie, um, really. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think Bend It Like Beckham is one of my favourite films. I absolutely love it. It's amazing. Just going back to mental health and the relationship between healing and music and art, what would you say to psychiatrists who are not currently using art and music as part of their practice, as you were saying, it's probably quite a lot considering it's more OTs and um, people working more closely in the community that will be using music and art. But what would you say to psychiatrists who are currently not using it or not encouraging it as part of their practice? I'd, um, I'd absolutely endorse and encourage um, um, prescribing music really um, if we can prescribe um, psychological therapies uh, I think there is no reason why we can't prescribe uh, art and music as form of treatment um, uh, and uh, it uh, does help in mental health recovery uh, it is also quite empowering for our patients um, and for some uh, it may also be a way to to cope with the emotional pain uh, and the distress which they are going through um, when uh, they are uh, mentally unwell. Um, so promoting, um, well, facilitating uh, access to uh, Asian music and art is one thing, but I think I'll go one step further and, and say that uh, um, we also need to look at uh, providing um, access to musical instruments, traditional Asian musical instruments uh, and or uh, music therapists um, uh, in the mainstream mental health services in UK. 
OK, so providing service users with access to instruments is something that you would prioritise. Yeah, I think encouraging um, uh, 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 because see, the music is now available uh, digitally on, on any digital platform. So I think it is easy to access uh, these things, but I think um, um, we need to increase our awareness um, that there is a therapeutic value um, uh, in music um, as part of mental well-being. Uh, but in addition to just listening, I think if someone wants to play a musical instrument, then that is also something which should be encouraged. Thank you to Dr Santosh for speaking to us on culture, music and the brain for South Asian History Month. If you'd like to find out more about South Asian History Month, please go to our website www.rcpsych.ac.uk, go to About the College, then select Equality, Diversity and Inclusion and choose South Asian History Month.